We all know that blindness is a physical condition. But what many people are not aware of is the truth that Jesus alludes to at the end of today's Gospel, that blindness can also be a state of mind and heart. And of course, there's a difference between the two, physical blindness and blindness of the mind and heart. And the difference is this. Blindness as a physical condition is usually beyond the victim's control. It's not something for which he or she is personally responsible. The person in question is either born blind, as was the case for the man in today's Gospel story, or they become blind because of a disease or perhaps because of some accident. Blindness as a state of mind, however, is different. That is under the sightless person's control. It is something for which he or she is personally responsible, as Jesus makes very clear in this Gospel reading with respect to the Pharisees. They were blind by choice. They refused to open their eyes to who he was, to who our Lord was. They refused to open their eyes to the fact that Jesus had been sent from the Heavenly Father and that his miracles were performed by the power of God, with the Heavenly Father's approval. Jesus says to them, if you were blind, that is physically blind, you would have no sin. But now you are saying, we see. So your sin remains. In other words, you have made yourselves blind in mind and heart. And for that, you are personally responsible before God. It's a wonderful thing when this second kind of blindness is healed in a person. It's wonderful when the first kind of blindness is healed as well. But especially this second kind. It's something to thank God for. It's something to rejoice in. On that note, I happened to see the other night an episode of the new ABC television program, Secret Millionaire. Not a bad show, as shows go on TV these days. This is a program that tells the stories of wealthy people, all of them millionaires, who decide that they want to give away some of their fortune to needy people and to worthy causes. For some of them, I suspect, being this generous is a new experience, but it's a good one. And so they go out incognito and they work at minimum wage jobs and they work at charitable organizations for a time. And in the process, they establish friendships with some poor people and some well-deserving people who are trying to help the poor, the needy, and the elderly. Then toward the end of the shows, the millionaires reveal their true identities and they give some money to each group or individual. And the amount of money that they donate has to total at least $100,000. In the episode that I saw the other night, a very successful real estate investor named Mark Paskin spent a week in a poor area of Detroit, living among the people there. He lived in a one-room, one-room, one-bedroom house very rundown in a part of the city that's noted for crime and drugs and gangs. And during the time that he was there, he had only $50 to spend. He was given $50 
to supply his food and needs for the week because that's the amount of money that welfare gives to a single man over 55 presently in the city of Detroit. Needless to say, it was not easy for this guy, this man who's used to having anything that he wants. But in the midst of it all, he met some very good people who are currently trying to make a difference in their struggling communities. One of the people he met was a 28-year-old father of three named Randy, who volunteers for what's called the Man Network. This is a watchdog group in a certain neighborhood of Detroit. A group of concerned citizens got together and they police the neighborhood, especially at night because crime is rampant there, violence and drugs, etc. And when he was talking with Mark, Randy shared why he got involved in this project, in this enterprise. It's because one day, many years ago, when he was just a little boy living in that neighborhood, he heard gunshots outside of his house. And then he heard his mother scream. So young Randy ran to the front door, and when he opened that door, he found his dad bleeding to death in his mother's arms on the front steps. His dad had been shot in a drive-by shooting, and he died later that night on the way to the hospital. Mark Paskin also met some members of the Young Detroit Builders, an organization that helps young adults get away from drugs and crime by getting them back into school and by teaching them carpentry. He met a former limousine driver and current dialysis patient named John Cook, who founded a little company called Really Living, which provides poor medical patients with free transportation to get to their doctor's appointments. Most of us take that for granted. We want to go to the doctor, we get in our own car and go. Well, there are people who don't have their own cars, don't have any means of transportation, John Cook in the city of Detroit provides for at least some of them. And through John Cook, he met a young dialysis patient, Mark Paskin did, named Courtney. And he was very impressed with her. This young woman is in her mid-twenties, but she's already had a kidney transplant, which unfortunately failed. She hopes to get another one in three or four years, but until then, she's going to have to be on dialysis. And in addition to her own physical problems, this girl, Courtney, has a two-year-old daughter who has a list of physical problems of her own. Mark Paskin asked her at one point what she would wish for if she had three wishes. Now remember, she didn't know she was talking to a millionaire at the time. And she said to him, you know what, I wouldn't need three wishes. I don't want anything for myself. I just would want one wish to be fulfilled, and that is for my daughter to be happy and healthy. And that impressed Mark. Well, in the end, he revealed his true identity to everyone, and with tears in his eyes, he gave them each checks that ranged from $10,000 to $40,000. And it was great to see on the program how appreciative these people were to receive these unexpected gifts. But what was even more important, my brothers and sisters, at least in my mind, was the effect that this experience had on Mark Paskin, the millionaire. See, during the course of one short week, his eyes were opened. And he makes that very clear. His eyes were opened to a lot of things. His eyes were opened to the needs of the poor. 
His eyes were open to the difficulties that are experienced by people who are battling addictions. His eyes were open to the difficulties that are faced by good people who are trying to help the poor, the sick, and the elderly. His final words on the show were a witness to the fact that at least some of his blindness to these realities has now been healed. He spoke these words tearfully after he gave Courtney a gift of $20,000. He said, I see what she's going through, and you know, she breaks my heart. And I wanted to do something nice for her and help her life. Not everybody has money that they can give away, but everybody can give some of their time and some of their love to people. And it would be a better world if everybody would do that. It's time to give back. And hopefully Mark Paskin will continue to give back in the future. Hopefully this is just the beginning for him. I mention this this morning, my brothers and sisters, because in one way or another, all of us, and I mean all of us, are afflicted with some blindness during the course of our lives, even if we don't need glasses and have 20-20 vision, physically speaking. We can all be blind. Some are blind in the way that Mark Paskin was blind, blind to the needs of others blind to the sufferings of the poor, the sick, and the elderly, blind to the good things that many people are doing already in their communities to help the poor, the sick, the elderly. But we can be blind also in other ways. We can be blind to the love of God. I just spoke to someone yesterday before I mounted this pulpit at the 5 o'clock Mass who had precisely this problem. She was blind to the love of God for her. There are a lot of people like that in today's world. We can be blind to our own self-worth. In fact, that follows directly from blindness to the love of God. If you don't know that God loves you, you're not going to be conscious of how valuable you are in His sight. We can be blind to the true meaning of life here on earth. How many people walk around not knowing why they're here, what the purpose of this earthly existence is? We can be blind, as many are in today's culture, to the sanctity of human life. We can be blind to the dignity of the human person. Why do you think it is that we have such a bullying problem in our society right now? People are blind to the dignity of other human beings. If I'm not conscious of your dignity, I'm going to bully you, manipulate you, use you in any way I see fit. Happens all the time. We can be blind to the serious sin in our life. We can be blind to the need that we have for God's mercy. We can be blind to something like the reality of what marriage is, that it's the union of one man and one woman in a lifetime commitment of love. That type of blindness affects a lot of people right here in little old Westerly, as we know from recent letters to the Westerly Sun. All this having been said, my simple suggestion today is to say this little prayer to Jesus when you go back to your pew after receiving him in Holy Communion this morning. Say to him, Lord Jesus, help me. Help me to recognize whatever blindness is present right now in my mind and in my heart.
And help me, Lord Jesus, to do whatever I need to do to be healed of it. Amen.